Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, um, and I certainly appreciate all your, your prayers and your concerns and calls and reaching out uh, over the past few days. Um, I'm doing better. One more day probably would be the ticket, but uh, that wasn't meant to be as we uh, searched high and low to try to find somebody to, to fill the pulpit here today. And Matthew is uh, in over his head with uh, Hebrew uh, this week, this past week, and everyone else who uh, I might have called upon was uh, previously occupied. So uh, you get me. Uh, and uh, I'm, I am uh, thrilled to be here, glad to be here. Uh, to share God's word with you as we continue uh, to consider Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. Um, Over the past couple weeks, we've been reminded about being careful how we walk. Uh, The Apostle Paul, in uh, this letter, but in other letters as well, Um, In Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So we are to keep in step with the Holy Spirit that Matthew has reminded dwells in us, uh, that uh, enables us to um, live the lives that God has called us to live. Years ago, um, many of you are aware, I was in a high school band. That's where Don and I met, actually, in the band at uh, Forest Hill. Uh, And uh, we had concert season. Uh, We also had marching season where we would get out on the football field uh, there uh, in the the hollow uh, just uh, below the stands in Forest Hill, Forest Hill Stadium. We'd get in formation and we'd keep in step with the timing of the music and also make sure that we kept in line both ahead of us and to the right and to the left of us as we tried to maintain all the the precision uh, that the uh, band director had uh, designed into uh, the music and the formation and the marching so that the people in the stands who were watching uh, the halftime show would see one band marching and not 100 individuals uh, marching to the beat of their own drummer. We've spent the past few weeks considering very carefully uh, here in Ephesians 5 how we walk with the Lord. Paul begins in verse 1 uh, of chapter 5 and says, uh, Be imitators. He calls us uh, to look back upon the previous chapters that, uh, and words that he's written to pay careful attention to those previous verses and to think about uh, the instruction that he's going to give us over the next few verses. If you have your Bible, look back there at uh, chapter uh, 5, uh, verse, one, verse 3, 
Uh, he says, here is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's in chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us, he says, in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters of the one true God so that we might have redemption through his blood, through Christ's blood, and the forgiveness of our sin. Having heard, in verse 13, and responded, he says, to the gospel of the salvation, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, a promise, a pledge of our inheritance. See, Paul lays the theological foundation, the theological basis for the practical application of our Christian lives. He gives us the, the doctrine and then tells us to go about the doing based on the doctrine that he has here. Chapters 1 through 3 are where he builds that foundation for the, the theology, the doctrine. And chapters 4 through 6, he, he lays out for us in very particular ways uh, the way that we should live our lives based on that doctrine Chapter 4 uh, begins with these words. He says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, beg you, plead with you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So the remainder of this little letter of this epistle gives us practical Christian uh, instructions so we might do just that. Be imitators of God as beloved children in our relationships with one another. So we who are many might be viewed as one in Christ. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The grass withers, the flowers fade and fall, but the words, these words of our Lord and our God endure forever. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we humbly Enter into your presence this morning, lifting up our voices to you, that you might hear our praise and prayers, our adoration. But Lord, you speak to us by the power of your word. May we hear your word as you speak to us loudly and clearly this day. Through these words that are before us. Inspired and God breathed. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We who are many 
are actually one. We all have something in common. We have different characteristics. We have different personalities. Each one of us looks totally different and acts different. But we have something in common. Our salvation, our common salvation, as if salvation were common, is a work of God's grace from beginning to end, from first to last. We recognize those first steps in our salvation, in our regeneration, in our faith and repentance that are a work of the Holy Spirit in us. We accept those things. But we too often get lost, I fear, someplace in the doing of those things, the result of those things. We get lost someplace in the middle and the end where we have to begin to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Here Paul tells us, chapter 5, verse 18, that even our doing is by God's grace. When he says, be filled with the Spirit, We certainly are participators in that, but we are passive in a sense too, in which the Holy Spirit fills us and motivates us and moves us to do the work that God calls us to do, to live practical Christian lives before Him and the world. He's reminding us here that this work of God's grace in us is ongoing. It is active. It is present. It is something that we participate in and are passive, but it is purposeful as well. There is an end and a reason for God doing this in us. We looked at four commands. Actually, these words in the, in the Greek, I spared you that explanation last week, are actually participles. And these participles in Greek take on the flavor of actual commands often in which, uh, verse 19, Paul says, speaking, singing, making melody in your heart and always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to God. All of those flow out of one place, the well of God's Grace working in us through the Holy Spirit's power, sanctifying us and making us holy. What is sanctification? One of those big words. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are uh, renewed in the whole man, the whole person after the image of God, and are enabled more and more to die to sin, and live unto righteousness. This final verse here in chapter 5, in this paragraph, not the final uh, verse in chapter 5, but the final uh, verse in this particular paragraph, introduces the idea of something that we often find irritating and maybe even distasteful. And that is subjection. Being subject. Submitting, he says, yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. Fitting in with each other, which is all the basis for the rest of this 
letter that is before us. The remainder of chapter 5 and all of chapter 6 have to do with the relationships that we have with one another submitting to one another. The foundation upon which all of our relationships are built. The Phillips translation says this. It says, fit in with each other. Fit in with each other because of your common reverence for Christ. We don't understand the basis upon which verse 21 is proclaimed and stated. The basis that this statement is made. Then these next verses that we have before us become hollow and meaningless commands that lead to hard-handed, oppressive behavior resulting in misunderstanding and abuse in the context of our families, our relationships with the church, and how we fit into the body of Christ. Be subject to one another. Subjection to one another is not unique to Paul and his writing, although he seems to present it more fully in most of his writings as it, he's dealing in his letters with relationships within the churches. Men and women, elders, deacons, slave and free, male and female, all of these relationships. Subjection to one another, we read about in 1 Peter 5, 5, which says, you younger men, talking about leaders and people, men in the church, likewise, be subject to who? Your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility. At the heart even of humility is subjection to one another. Not putting ourselves first, but putting others before ourselves For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Paul writes in Romans 12.10, Be devoted to one another. How? In brotherly love, in that phileo love. Give preference to one another in honor. How do you give preference to one another? If you're putting yourself first. You give preference by submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Probably one of the greatest passages that we'll look at pieces of it as we go through here today is where uh, Paul is describing Jesus Christ who uh, took upon himself the form of a servant, a bondservant, not considering equality something with God to be grasped, but humbled himself. Paul says there in Philippians 2.3, Do nothing from selfishness nor uh, empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. See, at the heart of our relationships with one another is this. It is subjection to one another. If we don't grasp Verse 21, a short verse, a few words in the context of all the scriptures and this passage 
here today, if we don't grasp what verse 21 means theologically and doctrinally and practically, we are not going to be able to apply what it means for any of our relationships. Wives to submit to their husbands, husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, children to obey your parents in the Lord, for slaves to be obedient to their masters, for masters to give service as to the Lord and not to men. What seems so clear in the Scriptures, so often a point of contention in the world. And, let's be honest, even sometimes in the church, as we deal with these instructions practically, knowing that God's Word is clear to us. God's Word to us seems so clear, but in the world, this concept of submitting is something that is misunderstood and misused, and yes, even ignored. Submission is not a word that is used fondly in the world, is it? Surrendering power to someone or something else. Submission means giving in, means yielding your rights and your liberty. It's generally considered a character fault, a weakness. In the first century, submission was a military term that Paul picked up and used in the context of his letters that meant falling into rank, submitting to orders, obeying one who had been given authority over a troop of men, an army or group of people. This word, as, as Paul used it, comes from that Greek military term, meaning to arrange as in troop divisions, in rank and file under the commander of a leader, marching, as that illustration in a band, in line, both right and left and forward and back, as people pay attention to where they are in those lines and fall in with one another in non-military terms. This word submission means to voluntarily carry a burden. Express an attitude of giving, but not giving up. Cooperating and assuming responsibility actively. Literally, it means to place oneself under someone or something else. To get in line with someone else, just as those in a marching band stay in rank and file, marching in place, appearing as one. Where does it start? Well, it starts with each of us. And in theory, this sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But in practice, let's admit it, we find it hard to do, don't we? Submitting to anyone, let alone one another. This concept of submission starts with each one of us. 
It cannot be something that is forced upon us from the outside, but is rather a work of the Spirit in us from the inside so that we can fall in line with our Commander-in-Chief, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, willingly and joyfully. You know, too often we are like that young child who is receiving correction from his parent and told to sit down and listen. And the child, knowing what the consequences might be if he or she didn't sit down and listen, sits down. But you know what they're doing on the inside? They're standing up, right? And we all do that, don't we? We all sit down on the outside, but you know what? We're in defiance. We're standing up on the inside. This idea of submission must come from a heart that denounces its own sinfulness and prideful demands, that understands that we are nothing, nothing without the saving work of Jesus Christ. The submission Paul speaks of here is a voluntary submission, a voluntary choice, not a legal obligation. It's an act of the will that is ongoing and repeated, not just a one-time event that's complied with and then stopped. I'm going to submit today, but tomorrow, well, I'll have to think about it again. Have this attitude, Paul says, in yourselves, which was where? Also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, to held on to, but emptied himself taking form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of you and me, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and the sustainer of all things, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death upon a cross. So that Paul can write these words to us. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. You know, there's a problem with that command. (laughs) And I hope in saying that I got your attention. There's a problem with this command These are God's words. How can there be a problem with this command? Well, notice, Paul doesn't say here, as he does in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit therefore to God. Now, we can do that pretty readily. Resist the devil, he says, and he will flee from you. Submit, therefore, to God. He doesn't say, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls. 
as those who will give an account. The problem here, if there is a problem, is not with God's Word. The problem is not with God's instruction, but with our accepting that Word and this instruction and these commands. Notice what Paul says here. Words inspired by God. Not to submit to God. Not submit to your leaders. But submit to one another. Submit to one another. To do this with those who are sinners just like me and you is really contrary to our fallen nature. You want me to submit to who? Him? We're self-centered. I'm filled with me. Now, lest you feel excluded there, you can say that with me. I'm filled with me. Every one of us, all of us here in this room, are filled with ourselves. I'm concerned about my own happiness, putting my own desires first. I'm concerned about others taking advantage of me, of someone getting the upper hand over me, of ruling over me. See, that's the problem. Failure to submit biblically is why so many Churches have fights and splits. Why so many marriages end up in divorce? Why so many families end up spending years, sometimes lifetimes, without even talking to one another? It's because of me. Pride. Self. There was an English poet back in the 17th century by the name of John Donne. Now, you know, there's a lot of literature that has seeds of truth in it that have been taken and distorted to mean all kinds of things that it never was intended to mean. But here, when John Donne made this statement, no man is an island entire of itself. He was expressing this idea that human beings do badly, poorly, when isolated from others. We need to be a part of a community in order to thrive. I mean, we were watching a a movie last evening And I asked my grandson, how would you like to live as uh, this man in uh, Call of the Wild lived with his dog Buck? Out in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, isolated from everybody, from all people. And he said, yeah, that would be great. And then a couple seconds later, he said, for a time. You see, we need one another. We need each other. And as Christians, 
There's a, there's a foundational, uh, 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 an important reason for this. Why do we need one another? Because we're part of one another. If we're Christians professing faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are members of His body. And because we're members of His body, we're members. We take part with one another. As Christians, we are something greater than our individual selves. We are not islands entire of ourselves. This is especially true of those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, So we who are many, many here, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. One is joyful, we all rejoice. One is sorrowful and hurts, we all are sorrowful and hurt with them. One may be missing. We're sad because part of our body is missing. We are members of Christ's body. No one part of our body is more important than another. And yet, God has placed roles and given roles to certain people, certain groups, certain individuals within those bodies. It doesn't mean that we all have equal power and authority. We are all equal before Christ and submit to one another through Him. So Paul says here in verse 21, one verse is all we were looking at today, basically. Verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Place yourselves in submission to one another, which leads us to this question How am I fitting in? How are you fitting in to the body of Christ? We should be asking, how am I fitting in to Christ's body rather than what can I get out of Christ's body? What does this mean practically? It means the young put the old first. And the old, or the older, put the young first. It means rather than talking, we listen. It means as we listen, we're not thinking, how can I turn this conversation and this, this, uh, this situation around back to me so it's all about me, but what can I hear about you that will help me understand you and serve you and submit to you? Out of love for Christ. Ultimately, it considers considering, it, it takes considering others more important than ourselves. And that's difficult, isn't it? It's hard. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with the humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. The only way we can do this is by understanding the basis, the foundation of that command. What is the basis, the foundation of that command? 
be subject to one another. Those red letters are my red letters. To place them before you with emphasis. The basis for being subject to one another is in the fear of Christ. And that's not cowering, uh, fearful fear. That is awesome, respectful, reverent fear for Christ and what He has done for us. The motivation for mutual subjection and humble submission is fear. Reverence for Christ, desiring to submit to Christ's will, to bring Him glory and Him honor through all of our submissive obedience and subjection to one another. You know what? We ought to be tripping over one another to serve one another, to be subject to one another. We're not told to submit because the other person is perfect. We're not told to submit because the other person is worthy of submission or the other person has earned it or even deserves it. We are told to submit out of reverence, fear for Christ, the Messiah, the one who has been appointed to represent us as sinners before God's judgment throne. Who did he die for? He died for me. Who was He resurrected for? He was resurrected for you. It is through Him that we are represented before God. And without Him, you know what? We have no standing in God's presence. Talk about humbling. None of us have any standing before God outside of Christ. See, I submit because Christ has submitted Himself through death on my behalf. Jesus the Christ, the the Messiah, the Anointed One, submitted Himself to the will of God the Father. Jesus the Christ submitted Himself to a servant's nature and washed the feet of His disciples in the upper room. Jesus humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death. The creator and sustainer of all things became the servant of all in humble reliance upon the perfect will of the Father. When the first Adam failed in the garden to submit to God's will, the last Adam in the garden, in his humanity, struggled with the idea of submission and perfectly submitted to the Father's will. Submission is evidence of the Holy Spirit filling us, working in us, sanctifying us, making us holy, enabling us to be conformed to His image so that with all humility and gentleness, with patience, we might show tolerance and forbearance for one another as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, if submission is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in you and enabling us to live as a member of Christ's body, 
then how are you fitting in? If someone were watching this group as a marching band on a field, in formation and in line with the the great band director that we have there, not to belittle the position of Christ, but He is our leader. He is the one that directs us, the one from whom we take our marching orders. Would the world see a group of people who are in line with one another, submitting to one another, even as Christ has loved us and submitted Himself for us. Submit to one another. Be subject to one another out of reverence for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, oh, how we give You thanks, Lord, that You have not left us alone You have not simply given us these words on these pages and told us to go and obey. You have sent one from your eternal throne of grace. One who lived as we lived yet without sin, who was confronted with every temptation that we are, yet without sin, who even struggled in his humanity with submitting to you, his Father and our God. Father, we're thankful that what you call us to do and what seems so difficult at times to do You enable us by the power of your Spirit and the work of Christ before us as our great high priest to do what you call us to do. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we falter. Yes, often we fail. Lord, forgive us our sin. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness and sanctify us, O Lord God, and make us holy out of fear and reverence for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we, Lord, submit to one another. Father, we lift up our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.